Welcome to the Mending Trauma Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Hoyt, and along with my sister, Lena Hoyt, a licensed marriage and family therapist, we want to help you recover from trauma, whether it's childhood trauma, complex trauma, PTSD, or any other trauma sustained from abuse or narcissistic relationships, we want to help you develop skills and ways that can help you to recover from the symptoms and the effects of trauma. We are so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Hi, Amy here. Are you feeling stuck or overwhelmed by things that pop up in your daily life? And perhaps these are because of past traumas or toxic stress. Have you tried traditional therapy and found that it wasn't enough? I know that was the case for me. That's why we developed the Whole Health Lab. Mini Trauma has put together a program that combines the latest research with proven methods to help you recover from trauma and move forward from these daily stressors and triggers. We use somatic therapy, EMDR, cognitive behavioral therapy, and internal family systems therapy. We use nervous system regulation, and many other tools so that we can combine the best methods that are identified in the research to help you recover without being completely overwhelmed. So you can work on trauma on your own pace, your own time, and still with the mentorship and support of a highly trained certified staff. That's us. No more waiting for appointments or sitting in traffic, driving to see a therapist. With our online program, The Whole Health Lab, you can access it from anywhere, anytime, even on an app. Visit mendingtrauma.com backslash whole health lab and learn more. Get your questions answered. We've got a frequently asked questions section and sign up so that you can have this life-changing program in your world today. Don't let your past hold you back any longer. Take control of your future and we can't wait to see you in The Whole Health Lab. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Today's episode, we're talking about something we get a lot of questions about, and that is, is it possible to have a healthy relationship after you have had complex trauma or trauma? And the resounding answer is yes, it is absolutely possible. And there are some skill sets and some work involved in making sure that you can move towards a healthy relationship. So Let's dig in. Well, first, Amy, I love how you said there's it's a resounding yes is the answer because so many times and for so many years, people have been told by professionals that you're not really ever going to resolve your trauma. You're going to have skills to deal with it. And we now know from different approaches that that is not true. You can't actually resolve the trauma. Absolutely. Which is so hopeful. And I wish someone would have told me that years ago, but we are here to tell you that. (laughs) There is so much hope. So I think first I want to kind of talk about what is a healthy relationship. Let's just go to the basics. Like what constitutes a healthy relationship? What is our aim here? I think what our aim is, is, um, and this might be a little nebulous so we can tease it out, but a healthy relationship is one in which each person, whether it's friendships or siblings or parent-child, romantic, whatever, each person is able to be seen and heard um, because the, the typical difficulty with relationships is that one, there tends to be one partner who 
um, demands a lot of energy and a lot of attention and they don't even realize they're doing it by the way. Um, and then there's the other person, the other end of that relationship who is kind of trained from early trauma to acquiesce or to fawn or to please. And so you get a really imbalanced relationship and it's not anybody's fault. It's because of the way the brain and body got memorized a response to trauma. I think that's a great point and really important to understand that it's not conscious. It's not on purpose. And um, it's, it's possible to create dynamics that are less hierarchical, less um, fused with power and control. Cause that's really what we're talking about in a healthy relationship. We're not using power and control in part of our connection with that person. So the connection is mutual. It's agenative, agenative, meaning there's choice involved. People have choices and we're not um, using manipulative tactics. So we can actually connect authentically by choice. Right. And when you, when you have trauma, which the complex trauma is about having early childhood, you know, ongoing trauma um, and traumatic relationships also contribute to how we engage in other relationships. And when you have trauma, you actually become more wired for protection than you are for connection. And that is all subconscious. And we've talked before about how trauma changes your your perception of yourself and your perception of the world. And it actually your narrative actually becomes a narrative of danger. And that again, that is not by choice. I think that's such a good point. And that's what sets us up for, I think, having a difficult time in relationships, having had CPTSD. So I know for myself, you know, having CPTSD um, and then, of course, one thing we know is that when we do have complex trauma, our nervous system and our brain gets wired, not simply for danger, but also to move into relationships that are familiar. And when we have familiarity with people who are using power and control and they're using um, unhealthy, you know, tactics, then we are going to, that our nervous system is set up to recognize that pattern in other people and to move towards it because familiar gets accidentally linked with attraction. Yes. Yes. That's a really good way of putting it. I don't know if I've ever thought about it in quite those words. The familiar gets linked to, it's a pull. Yeah. It's a pull. And I remember with my first husband being so pulled towards him. Um, And then of course, um, there was physical abuse and emotional abuse in the relationship, in the marriage. And now looking back, I see that the CPTSD set me up for an extremely unhealthy relationship with him. Right. And it was no fault of your own. You know, it. I've thought about this for years because of the work that I've done um, with court order clients from really early 2000. And... Um, I've thought about how we don't have any conscious awareness of some red flags. We, we miss them because the, of the familiarity 
And part of what Amy's talking about is a nervous system kind of set point where you're most um, comfortable, not healthy, but you're most comfortable in maybe being in sympathetic or fight or flight most of the time. And so then we get drawn to people who relate that will trigger that in us. And a lot of times people will say, why do you keep, why do you keep, um, you know, having friends that reject you or abandon you? Why do you keep picking partners that are abusive to you? It is not a conscious volitional choice. Correct. But we know because of neuroception, which is the underlying communication that our nervous system has with other nervous systems that are in proximity with us, we know through neuroception that we are drawn to that set point. And so um, I just, you know, I just can't emphasize enough that not only does CPTSD set us up for this wiring of safety and connection, the need for safety and the need for connection get wired together so that we end up being in relationship with people who are not safe, but we're trying to connect. But we also have this other part where we're being literally emotionally pulled to to keep that familiar set point of our nervous system. So there's a lot working against us. And it's not impossible and it's not hopeless. And when, when we talk of, of work, most people who have any familiarity with like mental health, health or um, self-help kind of arena, they recognize that there's work involved. And I was thinking about this this morning when we were having our founders meeting. And I was thinking about how for years we haven't, we haven't set up this awareness in our clients that the work does not have to be scary. And I think about like how I used to approach trauma 10, 15 years ago, it was, it's totally different than how I do it now. Now you don't have to talk about all the details of your trauma. Now you don't have to go into any kind of like, you don't have to get into a state where you're so freaked out that you can't even breathe. Like that doesn't work. Exactly. And I was just going to say, you don't have to talk about it. And you really, the research shows you don't need to talk about it to heal. You do need to have an awareness of the event or pattern. You do need to at least one time say it out loud or write it out loud so that your practitioner can help know where you're at and what happened. And after that, you don't need to keep revisiting it over and over and over. I can work with a client that comes in and says, Yeah, um, I had, like, my mom um, was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. I don't need the client to say, and this is what happened, and this is what happened, and this is what she did, and this is what she did. Same with, like, a client could come in and say, yeah, there was some physical abuse in my childhood. I don't need to know the details of every event. And we can still do the necessary healing to let you like reprocess or let go of that impact of the trauma. And, you know, some people do want to talk about it. So for me, um, I, a lot of what I experienced was discounted. And, you know, that is often the case with the scapegoat that you're gaslit. And so it was super important to me during my early years of therapy to say what happened and have someone believe me. 
And so it's really up to the client at that point, whether it's most helpful for them or not. One of the things I think that would be good for us to address is let's say, you know, you didn't come to trauma work until later in life, which is most people mid to later in life. You're already in the relationship that has some patterns that you're not really happy with that kind of mimic some of the familiarity of your early trauma. Where do we go from there? I, um, I firmly believe, and I, I developed this belief in our own family when you, when you went into rehab at 18 and I was 21 and, um, we all went back to that family center for a week, but what I noticed over the next year and a half or two years is that if one person changes, it will change the dynamic of the relationship. I 100% know that that's true. I'm not talking, however, about um, the like abusive dynamics. And if you somehow learn how to be assertive, then the abuse won't happen. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the way we engage with other people when we come into a place where we have more emotional regulation and we're less in our um, defensive systems, in our nervous system, we actually can change the pattern. I think that is so powerful. And I've seen it over and over again with the clients that I've worked with over the last 25 years. By working on ourselves, we change the dynamic of the relationship. And we move towards the possibility of creating new patterns in the relationship that are healthy, that are um, reciprocal, that are kind, that give the benefit of the doubt. And this thing, this is not some sort of, you know, linear journey where you make this decision to get healthier, that your dynamics change, and then you never have a, any backsliding. It takes years of micro steps and small interactions in order to radically shift the dynamic of the relationship. But the the great news is you don't need radical shifts. You need small shifts consistently over time. And that's what truly concretizes the new relationship dynamic. In relationships where there's been a lot of conflict, whether it's parent-child or friends or co-workers or romantic relationships, there is, <clears throat> there is a tremendous amount of fear, usually, um, where you'll, like, like when I was working with couples or families, and there would be, you know, there would be a real improvement. But every time um, somebody slid back into old behaviors, everybody in the relationship started thinking, this isn't working. Things are never going to change. And that, that's the negativity bias in the brain. And it's absolutely not true. Yeah, small shifts count. And when, when there's a, an incident or a um, dynamic that shows up that, that's old, that's showing up now, what that means is that one or more of the parties involved in the relationship are not regulated in their nervous system. So they're going back to automatic old behaviors. And that that's a situation that is um, temporary. How, if I'm, you know, listening, how, what, what do, how do I set myself up in the best possible way to 
start making these internal changes that are that really start with the individual? I think there are lots of things that that people can do: um, meditation, yoga. Um, there are several um, self help books that are that involved work working with like your internal family systems or with your body. Um, there are also ways to get support with a variety of support groups. And so many of the clients that I see, um, there, there's alcoholism to one, two, three, or four generations back. And it is wild how, even if it's four generations back, there's this really similar um, pattern of engagement. And so I oftentimes suggest to people that they look at Al-Anon, Naranon, um, even Codependence Anonymous. I think codependency is actually just a symptom of trauma. And so I hate pathologizing that. But all of those um, support groups talk about, like, you work your own program. You take care of you. You focus on you. You keep your side of the street clean. And it's a major mental shift for most of us. Yeah. And, and as Lena mentioned, the nervous system work is critical. When we can start to create a flexible nervous system and start to bring what has always been subconscious to our conscious awareness of how our nervous system is responding to certain events and patterns, that is where the magic happens. Well, anything else you want to impart on our listeners? Don't lose hope. Um, know that change is possible. Be kind to yourself and um, hang in there. It's not your fault. Awesome. Well, everyone, we'll see you next week. And thanks again for listening. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Mending Trauma Podcast. Lane and I are really grateful that you spend time with us each week. We know you have a choice and that time is currency. We would love if you would share this episode on social media and tag us so we can reshare. If you feel so inclined, go and give us a five-star review wherever you listen to pods so that we can get the word out and help more people. We know that we are all working hard on our mental health and we wish you great success this week in implementing these new skills. We'll check in next week.